Welcome to the Turn on the Music podcast. This is episode three. And as always, I am joined by my good friend CJ. How are you today? Good. How about yourself? I'm good. It's an exciting episode. This is our first interview episode, and we have my good friend Rachel with us. Rachel, how are you today? I am well, thank you. That's excellent. Um, so Rachel and I met um, at church, actually, and um, she played cello for a piece in uh, that the choir was singing, and um, I my jaw dropped to the floor, and I was like, this, this cello sounds amazing. I need to find a way to play with her. And we eventually did. We did some duets. Um, for Christmas and for, um, we did some for like the summer, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I eventually helped her out playing in, the, in her bell choir. And um, yeah, so um, what I love about Rachel is I love her outlook on music. And um, that's kind of what we want to talk about. But before we get into that, um, I want to know what you guys are listening to every day, like the, during the week. So Rachel, are you listening to anything mm-hmm. in particular? Um, well, I, my oldest son is a freshman in high school, so I currently have a Micah playlist of the music he introduces me to. So currently I'm listening to various rap songs by The Weeknd and um, NF, because that's what he's into. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. What about you, CJ? What do you listen to these days? I have been on the John Williams kick, so I've been listening to a lot of the movie themes. <laughs> And is it I've been be- because for, of the, the new album or have you gone to the other older stuff? I've kind of gone to the album. older stuff because I, I, yeah. I couldn't get past some of the stuff on the new album. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been listening to that and some like sci-fi uh, orchestral stuff. Interesting. And, uh, and then you introduced me to, and I can't remember his name, but. Mingo yes. Fishtrap. What was it? Mm. Say it again. Mingo, Mingo Fishtrap. He was good. Funk. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a nice ride home. Different music. So. Yeah, he's but, um he's from Texas somewhere. I forget where, but he's funk and soul, and he's got a little like rap, hip hop in there, and some some interesting stuff. Yeah, it was a cool mix. Yep, um, I've been listening to Jordan Rudis lately. Um, he is the keyboard player for Dream Theater. Okay. Um, so it's a lot of progressive rock, and the album I was listening to today is, it was like his stuff, but set to orchestra. And okay. Um, the cool thing about him is he has a very orchestral mind. So when he when he's improvising, a lot of it sounds like an orchestra, even though it's just piano. So the way he layers his stuff is pretty impressive. He's also come out with um, like several um, like instruments, like iPad instruments that like right. sound like guitar and stuff that uses like the touch sensitivity. And as you move and use the pressure on the iPad, it changes the pitch. So he's a really brilliant guy. He's got. Just he's, he's got more albums than I thought he did, so it's really interesting. I, he's, he is he from, one of the original? I believe he's one of the original members. So he's from Smithtown, I think. Smithtown, yes. Yeah. They're all from he, Smithtown and St. James, yeah. which yeah, is. He went to Juilliard, um, studied right. piano at Juilliard, and um, the singer, I can't remember his name, he was an opera singer from Juilliard. Yes. He was, tra- he was trained operatically. And um, John Petrucci is from Smithtown as well. And I remember when I was working at Cornet Music, um, John came in, you know, with his blacked out Mercedes and his leather pants and his chain, carrying his daughter's gold plated flute. That's <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, it was it was it was fun giving him a hard time about his flute, you know, and his little black leather getup. And but he's a really nice guy and an amazing guitarist. So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're all from Long Island, pretty yep. much most of them. Yeah, and Smithtown was interesting because it was we would get, um, you know, hey, you know, the guys from Dream Theater across the street having pizza, or Mick Foley's across the street having pizza. Right. 
So yes, before the rest, the I was yeah, yes. he was from St. James. So that was all. He was always you know across the street from us, which was cool. So yeah, so let's um let's get started. So Rachel and CJ have never met before. Um, it's um they're they're a lot alike. Um, I think musically, um, because they're both kind of classically trained and um, they've started. So we'll, we'll get into the instrumentalist. So, um, so Rachel, what drew you to music? Oh my goodness. Um, my parents drew me to music before I even knew what it was because they decided that I should play an instrument when I was three. <laughs> and so um, I started on the cello at the age of three, almost four. Okay. And so, I mean, I don't know life without it. It's, it's literally been a part of my life as long as I can remember. Do you have perfect pitch? I don't think so. Okay. Relative? I have, I have relative pitch, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but I, I, I don't have perfect pitch. Okay. I, I did a lot of like study on perfect pitch, and a lot of instrumentalists who start before the age of five tend to have perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you start with Suzuki? or was, I did. You did. I am, yes, I am the product of the Suzuki method, and I owe a lot to that method. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I find that the Suzuki method has their their instrumentals have much better ears than most. Mm. So um, I know that you are you sing and you play instruments, but do you consider yourself an instrumentalist or a singer? Oh, an instrumentalist. Yeah. And 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 as far as your instruments, what instruments do you play? Um, the cello, and then um, the. I took piano lessons for a while. The piano is kind of I enjoy playing it just to when I'm stressed out, mm-hmm. I'm not that great at piano, but it's fun because there's always more I can learn. So I enjoy learning more piano stuff. Um, and then uh, I have three kids and they all play instruments. And so my oldest son is a violinist. So I play a lot of violin with him. So I'm pretty proficient on the violin. Um, and then my youngest son is a violist. So I don't actually have a viola, but um, I've learned through his taking lessons, how finally to read alto clef. It took me until I was like 40 I to learn that. <laughs> I know. I hate tenor clef. I, I hate Cello, Cellos read tenor, so I was yeah. fine with that. Yeah. But the alto was the one that was holding out on. So, And then um, when I was in college, I learned just some very basic chords on guitar. So I can, I can play some chording on guitar. And then in the past year and a couple months, I have taken up the banjo. And that is my newest endeavor. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What, what made you start learning the banjo? Just oh my gosh! So, it's it's an instrument that I've always, always, always been drawn to. Um, in fact, the very first gift my husband ever gave me when we were dating was this CD called "Son of Rounder Banjo." It's just this like collection of banjo artists playing pieces, and he got it for me because I like wouldn't stop talking about the banjo even back then. Um, and so I just like it. I like the sound of it. I've always liked the sound of it, and. Um, then actually somebody at our church that Kyle, you and I both knew, was uh, sick with ALS, and he was a bass player for the Cincinnati Symphony, and he lost the ability to play um, through through the course of the illness, and um, watching him and having a relationship with him, just finally I was like, what am I waiting on to learn this instrument? Like I've been saying for 20 years, I want to learn this instrument, now's the time. My kids are mm-hmm. old enough, I can do it now. And so I did. So I um, decided to start January 1st of 2021. And I practiced every day but two for the entire calendar year. And you traveled during that year? Traveled, took the banjo with me. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I chronicled the journey on a YouTube channel, making like monthly um, videos called The Banjo Diaries. So you could like watch my progress. And we'll, we'll put a link to The Banjo Diaries in the show notes. So if you're interested in checking it out. 
and watching the growth. I have to tell you that one of the things I we, we, I mentioned it, I think was it last week, that I've always wanted to learn the guitar. Um, watching Rachel grow on the banjo is inspiration for me to try to pick up the guitar again. I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. haven't picked one of the five that are behind you? Yeah, up I know. Yet? There's so <laughs> no, many here. No, they're, I, I leave them there in case my friends come over and say, hey, you've got guitars. And I go, yeah, play one so I can record it. <laughs> that's, that's why they sit there. But they yeah. sit there. They're not in tune. Um, they probably all need string changes. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so. Um, can, I, can I follow up? With, I have oh, a yeah, absolutely. Yeah, jump in. Please jump in. So you sing as well. Did you... Like, did you vocally train? Is it just something that you pay, you you were able to do, and it's just natural? Like, is there anything that that you've done with it outside of just like training on the instruments? Did you train your voice? Um, not not no, not other than I took some choir in school growing up, and I was in church choirs at various times. Um, my mom has an incredible voice, and I think I fortunately just inherited enough ability to carry pitch from her that it's just enjoyable i like singing but i'm not trained on it and yeah i i like being an instrumentalist specifically one that doesn't use my mouth to play like not a you know not a wind or brass player because i'm i get emotional with music often and i can cry while i'm playing the cello and i can't while i'm singing (laughs) so (laughs) no it makes sense no that's absolutely do you do you use your singing ability in your playing with your cello um, no, but with banjo, I am trying to do that. I've, oh, I've cool. recorded a couple things singing with banjo, so, but not with cello. Cool. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked Chris when we, when I interviewed him, um, as an instrumentalist, when you listen to something new, do you focus more on the instrumental stuff or do you focus more on the lyrics? Um, definitely the, the melodies and the harmonies. Um, I'm awful with lyrics. Like I... <laughs> My family made fun of me my whole life because like with Christmas songs, <laughs> I would just belt out whatever I wanted. It was not the words at all. And my mom would be like, you've heard this for your whole life. But I didn't pay attention. I was playing the cello part to everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad. The only the only time the lyrics um, that I pay more attention to that is if I'm reading them and, and really focus on, you know, the poetry behind them. And then also like with Christian music, um, the lyrics will move me more than secular music because I'll, I'll be singing it more often. But. Sure. <clears throat> so you started cello at three so i assume that you didn't have the opportunity to choose your instrument i did not um nor did my kids we're just very dictatorial with instruments in our family <laughs> <laughs> but um it, it my mom um was the musical one between my two parents and she had always loved the sound of the cello and she was debating between the cello and the piano and had a, a really good friend has a really good friend who you know is an incredible organist and pianist. And she said to him, what should I start Rachel on? And he, he said, pianists are a dime a dozen, do the cello, <laughs> which is funny because <laughs> he is vocationally a pianist. Right. And it just turned out that um, one of the best and most sought after Suzuki cello teachers lived in the neighborhood my parents had just bought a house in. And people were traveling, I mean, for an hour to take lessons from her. And she was, you know, a mile and a half away. So it was fantastic. We were very fortunate. That's great. Yeah, that is great. Mm-hmm. So, so you forced the instruments on your kids. You, you obviously gave yourself a string quartet on purpose. Then, <laughs> yeah, um, I wanted them to all start very young as well, because uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of benefit in starting young. And so, I felt 
horribly guilty because I waited till they were five to start them. And um, how dare you? I know, I know. I lost those two years, but um, and really for them, I mean, I knew I was going to go the string instrument route because that was my wheelhouse, and I knew, especially when you start them so young, you really have to be the kind of at home teacher and help them along. And I knew that I could do that with string instruments. So. Um, for them, it really came down to the teachers. None, none of my kids are cellists because there wasn't a Suzuki cello teacher in the north part of the city that I live in. And I, I couldn't, you know, I had to work out logistics as well and be sensible. So um, so they ended up with violin and viola because I found great teachers for those instruments in the area. And uh, my middle son, he does piano because I knew from an early age that he was going to be really active in sports. And I didn't think he could balance maybe the orchestra you know, schedule as well. So I thought piano would be a better fit for him. So, but yes, we do all play together, which is really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And they're they're fantastic. Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure of hearing them for the last several years. <laughs> that's very cool. Yep. Thank you. Um, what sort of music do you perform most? So I know you play the cello, but is it you know are you more geared? Do, do you play a lot of the classical stuff? Are you in orchestras? That sort of stuff. Um. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I have to say vocationally I'm a high school Spanish teacher so by day I am not playing instruments so um, all of it for me is side gigs um, and a lot of times that's in the form of church jobs um, getting hired at other churches to play Christmas productions or Lent you know Easter productions so I do a lot of that Um, I'll play weddings which is a lot of fun and that of course is pretty much always classical music for the most part Um, and I've been in some uh, orchestras since since you know college that have been in the area and that's always fun but that tends to be classical or pops music as well so with cello that's that's the repertoire with banjo of course it's bluegrass so (laughs) (laughs) and are you playing uh now that you you've had a year under your belt with banjo you playing banjo more with groups or no oh my goodness no no so i we had a bluegrass sunday at church last summer and i jumped in with both feet it was the most terrifying experience musically I've had like as an adult but I was really proud of myself for doing it because you got to push yourself get out of the comfort zone but there hasn't been another one of those and um I just haven't I haven't yet been confident enough to seek out playing in ensembles with the banjo but I'm getting there and it's a priority for me I want Mm -hmm. to do it so and I, and I have seen you do some some like TikTok like yeah, I, band well, things. I, which is yes, really fun I, to watch. I am duetting all over the place on TikTok. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank thankfully there is that option. <laughs> we got we got we have to add her TikTok then to the show notes. <laughs> yes, anything absolutely. anything yep. social media related or yes. we will certainly we'll add absolutely. Um, as far as listening, what what do you listen to the most? Are you a, a classical person? Do you do you are you drawn to the classical stuff because you're a cellist or? Do you try to find other stuff? Um, so I feel a little guilty saying this. I'm I'm drawn to the classical music that I have experienced through playing. I am not somebody who explores new classical music often that I've never played. I've played a lot of orchestral music. I, I My orchestral experience is quite vast. So um, I really enjoy listening to the things that I that I've been a part of and I never tire of that. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't hang out in the classical world that much. Um, in fact, going to like the, the symphony, the local symphony, um, I tend to pick only the concerts where I already know at least, or I'm very familiar with at least one of the things on the program. Like I'm not, I'm not that interested in going to something where I know nothing. Um, and I don't know if part of that is just 
because I've, I have a really long history with classical music that I, um, I lean toward what I'm, what I'm really comfortable and familiar with. And then I've kind of enjoyed exploring other genres, um, for new stuff. So I, I listen to all kinds of music. Um, I, you know, I, I like, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm trying to stay relevant with my son. He's really into rap. So I'm really trying to learn about that just because it gives us conversation to talk about. Um, I, there's, there's, you know, certainly alternative rock and, um, that I really like. There's, I, I, I'm a Spanish teacher. I really like Latin music, um, and, and music that's in Spanish, um, bluegrass. I'm drawn to that and country. I mean, just a whole variety of stuff. Um, really ignorant on jazz. That is one genre that you, you are very familiar with that I am not, but. Well, part of it is you have a hatred of the saxophone. I do. That is not a, that is not a secret. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, CJ. What's going on here? <laughs> was this planned ahead of time? No, I no it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it was funny because when, when COVID hit, you know, we started talking a lot about music and we would share music back and forth. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and CJ, you know me, like my, my go-to is like Tower of Power. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> check out Tower of Power. I, just, I hate the saxophone. I went, oh. But but Larry Bragg is a good singer. It's like oh no okay. I'm Fine. I'm curious as to your and I I mean I respect it. I'm like I I, I don't care. But I, I'm just saying like you you have every right to like and dislike. But I, I I'm curious of your hatred towards the instrument. I mean I I would not first of all use the word hate. No I, I I know word. I understand that yeah. Um I it is just um part of it is I've I'm not really into the jazz world and um it doesn't serve a huge purpose orchestrally. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't around a lot in orc and symphony music. Um, and it's just, I mean, you know, there, there are times when I hear jazz and I'm, or, you know, the saxophone and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, that's nice. I like that sound. But in general, I'm just, the tone of the instrument is not my favorite. Um, fair enough. And like you can hear the keys <laughs> playing, which is distracting to me. But I'm you like, can do listen that with, to those keys. You can hear the keys on brass instruments. <laughs> you can. That's true. Yeah. Not, no, not but I, I not understand I've worked that. On that's true. Huh? Not when I've worked on them. My oh, my, my keys are nice and smooth. You know, and so you're not well, a fan well of, of most '80s music, Ben, because there's a lot of saxophone in '80s music. I am actually. <laughs> I'm joking. No, <laughs> I'm a child of the '80s, but that is not my decade of preference musically. <laughs> Well, I was actually, much more into the '90s music. <laughs> that's so funny. That, I mean, I totally get that, though. I mean, we all have instruments or something that we're not mm-hmm. we're not going to go listen to, you know. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'm sorry, CJ. No, no offense. <laughs> no offense taken. And it's really funny because I, I was Kyle and I were talking about this um, a, a little bit ago. I don't play jazz very well. Mm-hmm. I don't improvise very well. I tend to lean to play more classical saxophone. So I take oh, the pieces cool. that have been, you know, made for cla- for cla- for saxophone, but they're classical pieces. So a lot of the stuff that I've played in the past has always been focused on classical playing, mm-hmm. which is why I asked you about the singing. Cause I, one of the things I used when I learned saxophone was use your singing technique for the saxophone to change the sound mm-hmm. that comes out of it. So I totally get, your reasoning behind it absolutely you know so i i don't really like jazz because of the saxophone i like jazz because of the 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 singing and the, and the, mm-hmm. the piano playing more than anything else like that's where i that's what i'm into it so hmm. 
Yeah, I had a lot of teachers when I was growing up that would always say, if you can't sing it, you can't play it. Right, right. And <clears throat> and not even necessarily on key, just sing it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the rhythm, the, rhythmically, the rhythm. it helps you as well. Yep. So, no, I totally yep. get it. Yep. And, I mean, I will say, I... I am fully aware that there's room to start appreciating instruments that you don't have an appreciation for with exposure. And, you know, for me, the viola is a huge example of that. I, as a cellist, I had no use for the viola ever. I was like, <laughs> why, why would you ever play the viola? The cello is clearly superior. Um, in, Most in, orchestras yes. have no use for the viola either. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I just, I, and I remember, I remember having a student teacher when I was in high school who was a violist and she was directing our orchestras and she was just saying, oh, it's just, it's so, it's not too high, it's not too low, it's like the Goldilocks of string instruments. And, um, and I said, no, like the cello has way more range, it's way richer, you know, whatever. But now that I have a son who plays the viola and, I, and I'm, I'm attending, you know, performances with really fantastic violists, I, it's endearing itself to me in a different right. way. I mean, and so I think that would happen with the saxophone if I allowed myself <laughs> to listen to it more. <laughs> so Kyle, you can keep sending me all your sax music. And- okay. That's <laughs> too funny. That's good. That's good. And you, you'll just keep me updated and be like, does she like it this week? Like right. A little bit? <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite cellist or a favorite banjo player that you look up to? Oh, um, well, I mean, for cellists, honestly... I, I had such amazing teachers. I had um, one, two, three, four, five teachers. No, that's not right. Four teachers. Um, three before college and then my college teacher. And all of them were just so foundational to my growth and progress and appreciation of the instrument and, and to the exposure they gave me to opportunities. Um, and so I think, honestly, and, and the relationship I had with them was just so incredible um, and and impactful for me as a person and as a musician. So they are probably the people that I looked up to most musically. I mean, of course, you know, I can rattle off all the well-known cellists and say, you know, I have, I have two of Yo-Yo Ma's signatures in my Suzuki book one. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's all of that. I mean, it's neat to meet people like that. Um, but honestly, it's the people that I have relationships with that I, um, that I, kind of most look up to musically and and as far as banjo goes i'm still learning so much about the bluegrass world i i entered it extremely ignorantly um but the the teacher that i found on youtube and have become friends with um is definitely the person that i look up to and go to with all my questions and respect so much so and we'll we'll link his youtube channel there too because he's he's from what i've heard he's a pretty awesome guy so yeah um, I yeah, love so, I love that answer though because it's not like you're not naming people that are so popular that if you you'll come across the name you're talking about the ones that have you've worked with I think that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so because you are a Spanish teacher um, what role does music play in your life since you don't oh so I mean this is so this you know the way I rebelled when I went to college was in not majoring in music because it had been like this assumption for my whole life that I was going to be a musician. Not, not that my parents assumed vocationally I would be a musician, but it was this assumption that music would be there always. And it always Mm -hmm. had been. And so I didn't intentionally rebel, but like it was kind of this, well, are you going to go into music? You know, everybody just assumed that because I was, I was, I was just, you know, very advanced compared to every most of the people around me because I've been playing for so long. And so I knew that um, music was something that I could have in my life without having to have it be my life. And I also knew that I had a lot of other 
passions that I wanted to pursue, one of which being, you know, other languages and learning languages. And so um, for me, I chose to not major in music because I wanted to pursue other things and knew that I could still have music be foundational. Now, I I also, however, wanted music to be really, really a part of my college experience. So I sought out schools that offered scholarships to non-majors, which is hard to find. There's not a ton of them. Um, and I was fortunate to find a great fit for me. Um, I went to Bowling Green State University, which is in Northwest Ohio, um, on a music scholarship as a non-major. And it, it, it enabled me to play in the, um, the symphony orchestra, which I wanted to do anyway. And that was like, you know, part of the requirement of the scholarship. So I was like, great. Um, I got to take lessons from the professor, not like a teaching assistant, had a great relationship with him. Um, and, and then I kind of could define how much I wanted to be involved past that, which was awesome. So, um, so for me, it's since the college years, since I graduated college, it's kind of been this thing that I can pursue to the extent that I have time to and that I want to. And I, I've taught a lot of lessons. I mean, a lot of lessons, especially before I had kids. So that was really fun to do on the side, um, played in all kinds of ensembles. But I just love the freedom to do it um, to the point that I enjoy doing it without being stressed out that I like have to earn a paycheck, you know, through music um, because I don't burn out that way. So mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes yeah. a lot of sense, actually. Now, I think... At one point, I heard you say, um, and if this is too personal, let me know if we can cut this out, but um, I remember you talking to someone at church and telling them that um, you view your cello as like a friend. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's just because I, I kind of view myself with my instruments that way, too, where like if I need to like talk to someone and there's nobody here, I mm -hmm. can grab my instrument and that, then express myself through the instrument. So. Yeah, and I mean... Yes. So, yes, there's the aspect of expressing yourself through music um, and, and processing emotions through music, which is huge. There's also just this like weird aspect of the actual physical cello that has just been there for me forever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that has allowed me. I mean, the, the opportunities that that instrument has allowed me to do traveling internationally multiple times, paying for a college education, you know, playing with world-class symphonies, you know, on stages where P, I mean, it's just, so it's, it's like this companion. It's just this faithful companion that's always there ready. And it's so patient, you know, if I go a couple weeks without touching it, it's still there. It's still ready for me. So, um, so there's a, there's an emotional attachment to just the actual physical instrument as well as the, the, um, the music that I yeah. play. Yeah. And I feel awful cause I've, so I, I just moved I've been in my house um, seven or eight weeks now, and you have played my piano more than I have since <laughs> I've been here. <laughs> so it's time, Kyle. I listen, time listen. I have had my saxophone. I haven't played it in years because yeah. the things have been so crazy, and I I need to find somebody to take a care of it, like take a look at yep. it. Mm -hmm. So you know, but it's it's I, forgiving, like you said, it's forgiving. Yep. It is, yeah. and you know, it's also it's so interesting because I feel like there's always. There's a level below which I will never go. I mean, I will never drop below a certain level on the cello right. because it's just so ingrained in me. Um, and that's nice. So it's kind of like, okay, I know that it, I'm going to be able to do this when I pick it up. But then it's always challenging me. Like, you can do more. You know, what, what more can you do on me? Keep trying and keep learning. So um, so it's it's interesting. The relationship with an instrument is very interesting. Yes, it is. So now, now's the scary part. This is the lightning round. Mm. Well, um, before we go oh. to the rapid, I have yeah, a question. Yeah. Sure. We we had a we 
brought up something in the last episode, and I don't know if you remember, and we were thinking of asking Rachel the question. Yes, yes. Do you remember do, what do it you, was? I, I do. Do you? No, I don't. That's why like, I just... <laughs> Listen, I, I've been taking these medications for this these bruised ribs. I don't know if that's making me mess up my memory. <laughs> no, no, it's just because you're old. That's true. <laughs> so we were talking um, last week. We were talking about Amber Rubarth, right? Um, and one of the questions that we, uh, at least the one I remember, was: Is there a difference between violin and fiddle, and what is the difference? Thank you. That was it. Because I actually was asking the question in my head earlier today, and I totally forgot that was. <laughs> See, and you might, you might old, know the answer. It's I the just, old man. I, 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 it's the old yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's not a difference as far as what you're holding in your hand. Okay. It's it's a violin. It's, right. It's it's just the style. Is, right. is the, the bow different? No. Or is the, uh, the way you hold the bow hold, is often right. different. Um, a lot of times, fiddlers will hold the bow up a little bit higher up the stick, um, not down by the frog in the same way. Um, and then yes, yeah, just the style of playing okay. is different. Um, is the bow shorter at all? No, not to my knowledge. Because they, or the way they hold it. Okay. Yeah. So, so the because the reason why this came up is we were talking about being trained classically, Mm -hmm. and then going into other genres of music. So, as a vocalist, you learn a technique on how to sing and be able to sing for long hours or multiple times Mm -hmm. a week. But that same technique can be used throughout the different types of genre of music that you may be singing. So, as a someone who plays. Um, a string instrument, so let's uh, the violin to become a to become a fiddle like, like they play it as a fiddle. Do they need classical training to do that, or is that something that is a totally different technique? No, I don't think you need um, a background or a foundation in classical repertoire to do that. I think you need an understanding of how uh, music that uses fiddle is constructed and built and like how long breaks are going to last and how, you know, and, and, and you have to have a, an understanding of chord progressions, um, and you have to have an ability to improvise. Um, I'm actually struggling a lot with this concept with the banjo because okay. my classical training, um, I feel like it presents roadblocks for me with my ability to just jam on the banjo and just like mm-hmm. improvise and come up with Yeah, we a break. were talking about that last week too. That was the mm-hmm. act, that was actually what brought yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so um it's it's definitely a different skill set. Now, are some of the techniques a classical violinist is using to play the same as a fiddler? Sure as far as how you play in tune, where right. the notes are, you know, how you move the bow across the string to some extent depending, but um yeah, very still very different. I, I think that a classical violinist, um, you know, some classical violinists are probably much more natural at being able to switch and make the switch and, and do more on the spot improv stuff. But some would probably have to work harder. And that's ex- that. that's exactly what we were brought up is is how these musicians are doing another genre of music with mm-hmm. this instrument. And we talked about how why there's not more people trying it but it, it's the ingrained being ingrained and mm-hmm. not that they're not that they couldn't do it but like you said it would take them longer to get to that where someone else may be able to let yeah. that experience go i have that's what i have the problem with with the saxophone improvising that's mm-hmm. why i don't really play jazz that often because i'm a horrible improviser yeah i also would wonder how much it comes down to also just not be, you know, people not being as interested in some of the genres, right. you know, I mean, somebody who's deeply rooted in the classical world, there's so much to explore there and not everybody is, has the diverse, you know, interest in leaving that world and, and, and exploring 
other types. It just depends on the person. No, but. absolutely. I totally agree. It was just, we were just curious on that instrumental yeah. end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Jacob Collier recently too. And I, he was talking about his second album, uh, which is Jesse volume one, where he has an orchestra and he was talking about how it was difficult to find an orchestra that could handle his style of playing because so much of it is improvised and, you know, trying to find a conductor that he could work with that mm-hmm. he could just, you know, eye contact and I'm going to play this and that means the orchestra's got to do this. Right. You know, he finally found the Metropole Orchestra, which was able to do that, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, that was a hard thing for him to find. And then we mentioned um, Bela Fleck last week, the Live at the Quick album, when he was looking for, you know, a bassoon player and an English horn player to travel and play jazz. Mm-hmm. Like how hard that was to find, you know, these two guys. Right. Um, and I'll tell you, like, when I was in college, did you have Rich Iacona as your... Yes, I did. I loved him. He was... So one of the things that he taught me, I, I studied a little bit of jazz with him, um, but one of the best things he ever did was he sat down one day and he took the chord structure. He just, you know, how you take your chords, you number one through seven for one chord for each note of the scale. And we went, all right, one chord. Where can a one chord go? And it, well, it can go anywhere. So a two chord. What? Where can a two chord go? Well, it can go to mm-hmm. two. It's also a substitute for a five chord. So, like, so I have this roadmap in my head of all these seven chords. Where can they go? Both major and minor, and that's kind of where I sit with my improvising. So I know that if I'm playing, like, if I'm the key of C and I'm on a C, I know I can go pretty much wherever I want. If I'm playing a G seven chord, I either have to go to A minor or C. Right. That's my choice. Right. So that's kind of where where the chord structure of improvising comes. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the melody goes, at least for me, um, I think Victor Wooten says it best. You've got to have something to say because music is a language. And if you don't know what you want to say, there's no way you're going to say it. Right. Right. And And it's funny because I've dealt with that recently with (laughs) these silly TikTok duets, but I've, I've tried to put um, a cello part to a banjo piece and I successfully did it um, two times to two different songs because like a part came to me just naturally. I just thought of a cello line. I did it. It went. It worked well. And I've been working. I've been trying to figure out um, a harmony line for this other piece for like two months now. And nothing is inspiring me. I just mm-hmm. keep listening to it. And I, like, I just don't have anything to say right now. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. On the cello for it. And um, mm-hmm. so it is. It either hits you or it doesn't yep. for me. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing he always said is that that the only way you get better at improvising is you need to listen to more people improvise. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and you know, just just whether whether you like it or not, you know, you understand what a good melody is, and and then you can, you know, kind of your brain just kind of adapts to it, and then it just kind of. So I I, I played a party um, when I was just in college, and I remember this lady came up to me. She goes, "You must listen to a lot of George Winston," and I go. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea who George Winston was at the time. And I've been told that several times. I still never listened to George Winston, but apparently my improvising is a lot like George Winston's stuff. Oh, I stuff. love his album December. You yeah, that that's album. A, she said, this sounds like December. I'm like, Such a great album. I just play the chords. I don't know. <laughs> that's funny. That's fine. So. That's, that's good. Yeah, I don't know, but Rich Icona was amazing. I mean, but to your other point, like, think about Billy Joel, for example. He mm-hmm. wrote that classical piano album that he couldn't, couldn't play. play. He had yep. to have someone else play the yep. music. Yeah, Richard Jew played it. Who I played yep. it? Huh. Uh, Richard Jew, I believe, is his name. Yeah. He's um. So he and, and interesting thing about him, he is in a comedy group um, with a violinist, and they do a lot of like comedy skits. 
Uh, he's got one where Rachmaninoff has really big hands, and he's actually built this like wooden structure structure that plays the chords because his hands were too small for the prelude yeah yeah that's a great video yeah the the prelude c-sharp minor so that's funny yeah cool i um i had another question i can't remember must not been important well that you're old so whatever (laughs) (laughs) well if you think about it we can we can we can come back to back do you want to do the rapid fire questions now you ready? Are you asking me? Yes. Whoever, oh. whoever wants um, to answer. I, I've, I've already gone through the rapid fire questions. I, I will try. I'm I'm not probably all that. I'm not going to be very decisive on some of these. I can probably tell you. So, right. well, Chris I'll wasn't try. either. It yeah. took him like an hour to get through them. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't worry. So the, there's about seven questions. Okay. Um, Pretty straightforward. And we'll just go through them. So yeah, we, we, we kind of want your, your, your gut reaction to them. Yeah. Right. Because some okay. of them are. Right. If you need to elaborate, you can. But we're going with gut. I definitely elaborated okay. on mine. <laughs> for a long long time all right here we go so number one favorite song mm. okay can you give me like an instrument or just in life a favorite song uh I, I, yeah at this moment because for me it changes well yeah it does because I, I the answer that i gave in mine i've changed already so dang it so yeah fa- maybe uh, like favorite song now like what now um uh, See, I suck at lightning rounds. I'm sorry. Um, well, that's what makes it fun. Can we like, why don't you, let's come back. That's sure. not going to be lightningy, right. but let me come, we'll back, come back to that. Ready? Pass. Pass. <laughs> we'll come back. Favorite band? Oh, Radiohead. Okay. I knew that was coming. Favorite composer? Um, Beethoven. Favorite album? Mm, I'm going to go Radiohead OK Computer. Solid album. Guilty pleasure song and artist, or guilty pleasure song, or guilty pleasure artist. Okay, Dueling Banjos from the Deliverance soundtrack, and I have had to succumb to, or not succumb. I've had to defend myself over the past year for liking that song because in the banjo world, it's like it's like it's like Piano Man for the piano. (laughs) Yes, and I've just like come to a point where. You don't need to apologize for what you like, people. No, right. That's Absolutely all I'm saying. Not. Whatever, like, if you, like, I'm a cellist who loves Paco Balcanon. That's another guilty pleasure. I love it. I love it, and I'm a cellist. That, like, most cellists would shoot me for saying that. <laughs> you just, you know, like, you just, whatever. I, I, yeah. What? Don't apologize for what you like. What? Most organists would shoot you, too. I know. What soundtrack was it from? The one that you like? Like, the the movie Deliverance. Oh, okay. And it's, it just so I'm, like, just so listeners and i'm making sure that i'm thinking the right thing you're talking about yes. okay cool yes yep. all right i know that that's the name but you never i mean know. i i never ever will get tired of listening to that song that's great. not ever and i can now play the song and i still don't get tired of listening that's to the song so. i like the steve martin kermit version myself <laughs> but who who steve martin who is a fantastic banjo player yep yeah. takes it onto all his sets Queen Latifah mm-hmm. used to talk about how in the middle mm-hmm. of like them filming, he'll take it out and be like, check this song out that I just love. <laughs> All right. Um, most memorable concert that you attended. The concert that you attended, not that you performed it. Oh, okay. Um, that I attended. Most memorable concert. You know, I saw two, uh, let's see, November of 2019, right before COVID changed our world. I saw the band for King and Country. I took two of my kids to see it in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was a phenomenal concert. They put on a great show. What genre of music? That is Christian. That is Christian. Okay. 
Terrible question. I, the only reason why I ask is because if if I, I want to put it out there for other people, so if they're yeah, interested yeah. in it, they they put on a great show. That's awesome. Um, oh, I have. Can I add one to that? Please, Simon Simon and Garfunkel, two thousand four. Oh, nice. nice. Yes, that's that was awesome. Fantastic as well. Yeah, I had the I I mine was Ian Anderson. I got to see him play, and uh, but he didn't play as Jethro Tull. He played as Ian Anderson. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, most memorable personal performance. Oh, hands down. Uh, it was my freshman year of high school, and I was in the Cincinnati Symphony Youth Orchestra playing our joint concert with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, and so playing at Music Hall, which is our beautiful concert hall in Cincinnati. And um, so it was my first time playing in that venue on the stage, sitting next to a CSO player, and we played Sibelius Second Symphony, oh, nice. which has to this day been my favorite symphony of all time. I, I could listen to that. That's another guilty pleasure. So it was it was I was on a high from that concert for weeks. It was incredible. That's awesome. All right, going back to favorite song. Oh man! Do you, if you have songs in different genres, just name the genre and the song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll um, let you do two or three. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Well, since I've talked about Radiohead, probably my favorite Radiohead song would be "Let Down," and. Um, I've already said my favorite banjo song. I actually really love Country Roads on the banjo, too. I, I don't get tired of that, mm-hmm. either. Um, cello favorite song? Hmm. Right now, I'm really digging the prelude to the fifth box suite. I've, br- I've brought that back out, and I'm playing that a lot, so I'm enjoying that. I just... I, I See, I'm terrible with favorite song, favorite book, favorite movie. I just can't do those questions. There's There's so many... I can't pick. I'm very sorry. No, and that's part like of that why question. we do this because there is so right. much out there that we want there other is. people right. to experience it. And that's, yeah. I mean, the, the only reason we ask the favorite song, favorite band is just so other people get an idea of what you like and then maybe they'll like it too. And, but see, the thing is, I don't even like saying that because I feel like, for instance, if I say Radiohead is my favorite band, but I want to tell you all these other bands I also like, you know what I mean? Right. And like, I'm not only, I don't want to be mm-hmm. boxed in. Yep. Don't box me but in. But that pulls you to the, <laughs> that pulls you to the genre though, you know? So mm-hmm. like, you know, a, you're you're a classical artist. Not everybody's going to expect you to say Radiohead, right? You know, and that and that's and may I ask the reason that pulled you to Radiohead? Was it someone that shared it with you, or did you kind of come across them? And um, it was it was yes, I, it was people that introduced me to them at the time in, in the '90s and during my formative years, and just um, the memories I have when I was listening to that music. I don't listen, honestly, I don't listen to Radiohead all that often now because I've expanded my world so much sure. musically, but it, it will always hold a place for me. So, no, And, and it's funny because that, that was a conversation that Kyle and I brought up, I think, in the first episode. We talked about how... Yeah, it was, it was more towards guilty pleasures, but right. it was the same thing that it, that it brought us back to a time, right? you know, like... like Mbop by Hanson yeah. one of mine you know and, and still call me maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen like that's one that I quote all the time in fact um, at my job we, it took us forever to get our printers to print you know on our, on our network and the first printout was was a, the Carly Rae Jepsen you know you know theme and I was like oh that's, that's fun well and I mean that's the that's what I love about music and probably we all love about music is how associative it is and it mm-hmm. just you know you hear something and it immediately transport you to that time right. yep. you know I can I can hear a song and it takes me back to living in Spain or takes me back to being in college or you know reminds me of a certain person in my life so I, that's the best part of music right yep. right and that so to, to make Kyle cringe for a second really? cold play is like that for me hmm there yeah, you go. Yeah, but Kyle doesn't like Coldplay. 
And you don't, you know what? Kyle doesn't like Dave Matthews Band either, I and I don't care whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you do not have to apologize, what's, CJ, what's for what you like. What's funny is that, like, there's like the people in the Dave Matthews Band I love. Right. Rashawn Ross, I love. Jeff Coffin, I love. Um, Carter Just not Beaufort, Dave I love. Himself. Dave Matthews, <laughs> j- go away. Oh, Kyle, it's okay. Yeah, and they, uh, I've I've tried hard. Right. Um, and, and what I want to do now, now that I've got my my cool headphones and my spe- cool speaker set up, I want to go back to Dave Matthews and see, like, I want to try one more time. I've given him like four shots. Like, I'll give him one more shot. Well, so, see, but the thing is, is maybe it's not the recording you should be listening to of like a studio album. Maybe you should listen to his live because I've I've tried live and I've do? tried studio because my brother yeah. went to a live and he said it was. Like a five-hour concert because they just jammed mm-hmm. off for about forty-five and, and minutes. You know, or like, like, like I'm all about that. Right. You know, Robert Randolph and Victor Wooten and all those guys right. just sitting there jamming for like I love that sort of stuff. But his stuff. It I, seems I, like you don't love his voice, which is yeah. key. If you but, th- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair true. Point. But then again, when he did the the COVID concert where it was just him, that was awesome. I love that. Yeah. But I, so are you just I jealous that he plays with the people he plays with? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So it's green eyes towards Dave Matthews because he gets to play with some <laughs> phenomenal musicians. Oh, that's yep. too funny. I I yeah. never really listened to him. my brother did, but I I I can listen to him. Like mm-hmm. I don't cringe, but you know, um, that's too funny. Crash, try this on Crash. That's a great right. song. It's a great it's a song. song. Yeah. All right, I'll try it. <laughs> I'll try some saxophone. We'll trade these. Trade these the all right. the misery, the musical misery. We're gonna need, we're gonna need, we're gonna need updates on all this. That's right. To find out where we're going. All right, so we'll go, we'll, we'll go Mad Hatter by Jeff Coffin because that's about eight minutes long. <laughs> Great. But why but, why do something like that's more modern? Why not go further back and do like, like some Charlie like Parker? Coltrane? Stuff? No, Charlie Parker maybe. I think Coltrane. I was thinking Coltrane, but Coltrane's probably too out there. That's yeah. Coltrane's a like, little for, wacky. Yeah, yeah. I've tried some Coltrane recently. You know what? I, I can't get Kenny into G. It. There you go. Do some Kenny G. <laughs> there we go. Kenny G. Get Kenny G. In there. Not oh, saying okay. that he's not talented. He's just not my genre that I would go listen to. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> he can't control his breath very well. He sure can. Yes. Yep. Yes. He's a talented player, but just not. He's a talented mm-hmm. breather. <laughs> <laughs> but I will not listen to his music. So. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's like that's, yeah. it's like a book. Why would you ever read a book you don't like when there's a bajillion books out there to read? Why would you spend time, you know? Yeah. Like Harry Potter. Was... You've got to listen to the stuff well, you yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. You, you hate <laughs> Harry Potter. But then again, I did that experiment um, recently where I was listening to an album a day of stuff that I didn't like. Right. And trying to find out a way to appreciate what was there. Which is know? a cool exercise to do. It, yeah. is a, it, was, a, it was a fun exercise because I listened to stuff that I would never... Like I'm not a Beatles guy. I listened to three hours of the Beatles. Did you? And then now, how do you feel about it? I still hate them. <laughs> but do you appreciate? So here's the thing. So back to what Rachel's saying, it's okay for you not to like something. But mm-hmm. do you? Did you find any appreciation in them? Um, not not then. Um, more so. So I had a student, a voice student, back in the day, and he came to me and said, "I want to do the entire B set of Abbey Road." Okay. And he handed me the Beatles full score, and he went here figure it out hmm. so the full score is like, like every instrument it's you know the guitar parts the drum parts you know everything and i during our lessons i would condense it in my head and come up with an arrangement sure. and we recorded it that i loved 
and there's a there's a great um, video of the Fab Four. I don't remember who they are, but the, it was the bass player from the old David Letterman band was in it, um, and a bunch of other guys, and they did a, a cover of it, and it was fantastic. The problem that I have with the Beatles, the Beatles to me are like Mozart. Um, they wrote so well that I find them boring. Hmm. But it's and it's also it's not a crazy um, what's the word? The, it's a, it is a simplistic writing that they write so well. Like they right. knew what they were doing to knock out yes, good songs exactly. and write well. The same thing with Mozart, right. yep. which is why a lot of classical musicians aren't a big fan of him. But then, like, mm-hmm. you look at him and you analyze it, and you're like, okay, like, this is impressive. Yeah. So, no, I get what you're saying. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Have you listened to any Beatles as, uh, or uh, by symphony, sym- the, like, sym- uh, symphonic Beatles, like any of the stuff that is. No, I haven't. Try that too, because they, okay. they have a lot of albums out now that, the, you know, mm-hmm. just like they did with Metallica, where they put yep. them together. Yeah, I also would be curious. I saw another concert that was great, was I saw Paul McCartney in June of 2019. Mm. And, I don't follow him as a solo artist. Um, the people that I went with really like his his solo stuff, but he did play some Beatles stuff. And sitting there in a room listening to him play Beatles music was pretty incredible. Right. So yeah. I wonder how you would feel in that and, and that's So that's that's part of what I want to re, re-experience because when I first listened to that Amber Rubarth album, it was like she was in the room with me. Sure. And now my setup, I've, I have that sort of feeling where I can sit in my bedroom, my living room, or even in my studio now, and it feels like the the instrumentals are here. So that's why I want to get back to the Dave Matthews, and I would, I almost want to find like an unplugged acoustic concert of his, mm. you know, because I think that would lend itself better to my setup, and it would give me a, a a place to start from that I could then wrap my head around what he's actually doing and appreciate it more. Those were hard to find back in the day. A lot of them were uh, were illegally gotten, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you can find him now. Yeah. But Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so. listen. <laughs> I'm I'm learning a lot, you know, with some of the stuff that you're throwing my way over the past couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and it's led me down a rabbit hole in that genre or that player yep. or whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. you know, so I like we said, this is what this is about is is introducing whether it's something we are interested someone may take what we say, listen to it, be like, oh, I don't like it, but, but that's okay. Yeah, but they may find somebody fine. else out to listen to because exactly. of that. And, and, and by not liking it, it gives us a direction to point them in, the, in a direction right. that they might like. Right. You know? Right. So that, that's cool though. And I mean, I, and yeah, no good answers though, to the rapid fire questions oh a lot gosh, quicker than so me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. But now I'm like, I, I'm thinking, I'm like, I should have said this. I should have said this. It's like the regret. That follows rapid fire. Yeah, that's that's part of the fun. <laughs> that's too funny. I have nothing else. Do you have anything else? Oh, I do have another question. This is this goes way way back um, to to your um, your your career. Um, what made you choose Spanish as a as a language? <clears throat> um, I also did not choose that for myself. Oh. My father chose that for me. <laughs> I sound like I have quite the family, don't I? No, um, it, it's an interesting story. I went to Florida on vacation uh, with my family when I was like eight. And uh, it was the first time in my life I had heard another language. I was surrounded by Spanish in Cincinnati at the time. In the 80s, there, there just wasn't a lot yet of Hispanic mm-hmm. people that had come. I wasn't hearing it. So... I'm at Disney World. I should have been interested in Disney World, but all I could do was focus on the fact that people around me were speaking a language that I could not understand. I was obsessed. I asked my family to speak Pig Latin. 
because I was like, we need to speak something that they can't understand. That's fantastic. My mom said they (laughs) might not understand English, and that didn't make any sense to me at age eight. I was like, everybody understands English. So we came back from that trip, and I just wouldn't quit talking about wanting to learn a language. I I had switched. I was like, I want to learn French because it's pretty. And um, finally, my dad just thankfully picked up on the fact that this was a, a serious interest of mine. And in the schools, we didn't start until eighth grade. And I was much younger than that. <clears throat> I was about, like I said, nine. And so he found a private teacher and he said, I will pay for you to take private language lessons, but I want you to take Spanish. I think that's going to be much more beneficial for you in whatever you choose to do. And I think it's, you know, certainly, I mean, I was glad that he had that foresight. And so I started and um, I was nine and I started taking from a woman from Bogota, Colombia once a week. So, and that's where it all began. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a great story though. Like just yeah. to, to come up to that. It's awesome. Yep. Do you, so, do you know um, any other yeah, languages though? Because of it? Um, I studied French and I've studied Italian and they are so similar to Spanish in structure and in so many ways that um, I haven't studied either of them extensively but i can understand and, right. and get by with those so right yeah i don't like french <laughs> i don't like the pronunciation of french I, it's not I, phonetical I, it's but the songs were beautiful i hated singing them because i was so oh, bad at it i was just bad at it and and respectfully it was if i couldn't do it i wasn't going to sing the song that was it like because mm-hmm, i didn't want to sure. ruin the song in the sense it was a beautiful song but if I couldn't do it justice, I wasn't going to do the song. That's how I saw it. It wasn't anything against just the fact that yeah, I was. That's cool. Yeah, I couldn't do it. You, you wanted to respect the language. Right. That's really what it is. I just wanted to respect <laughs> the language. All right. Well, that's thank great. you so this much. This has been fun. Yes, thank, thank you. you. A lot of fun. Yes. This is awesome. Uh, if we don't have anything else, I'll go through the closing. Yeah. And, and then at the end, we'll, we'll play a little snippet of, I'm not sure yet, maybe Country Roads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe you can come back down the line and we can, as, as we grow more and you can join in just conversations, you know, yes. on an artist. I can or tell you, you know, expand upon my, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you back for a second. For first, we'll, we'll oh, choose gosh. a artist. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Thank you for listening to turn on the music, the podcast. We thank Rachel for coming in and uh, being a part of it and allowing us to ask her all these questions. We hope that you uh, join us next week. Follow us on Twitter at Turn On The Music and on Instagram at Turn On The Music Podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to the Apple Podcast and give us a five-star rating. We hope you enjoy the uh, nice 30-second clip from Rachel playing the banjo. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.